0: Hello I'm Major Adrian Allman
1: and I'm Captain Claire Allman
0: welcome to the Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army podcast series. Birmingham Citadel is a Christian church located in Birmingham city centre in the UK. This podcast is a recording of the Bible message that is shared during the Sunday worship service.
1: You can now watch our service online through live stream at 10.30am every Sunday morning and can also find our stories and videos on our Facebook page
0: and YouTube channel. It's good to have you share with us and as you listen we pray that God will speak to you. May you know God's abundant blessing today. Friends this morning nothing's going to detract us from covenant today. I know it's cold but let's not allow that to detract from the importance of covenant today. If you've not already realised in the seven years I've been here, I am not a social media person whatsoever. You will not find a Facebook friend request from me or anything like that. I'm just not that kind of person. Whilst I don't have any gripes with it, I can see all the benefits of it. I can also see the hang-ups with it as well. I just chose many years ago to close my Facebook account, so I'm not really familiar how it works nowadays. But every now and again, when we're sat together watching the TV or we're in the car, Claire will turn to me and she'll say, do you know this person? And she'll tell me the name. And I'll respond, no, no idea who it is. Do you? She'll say, no, I don't, but they've asked to be my friend on Facebook. Or she'll say, well, I know of them, but I've got no real connection with them. And my reaction is always the same. "Well, decline the invite then. Why would you want to accept it? And she does. It's probably happened to you, those of you that are Facebookers. You get friend requests from people that you've got nothing to do with. You've never spoken to. You've never had anything to connect with them whatsoever well, I'm all for celebrating life together, but at times I'm very about doing it in the most appropriate context. Today at Birmingham Citadel, we're celebrating Covenant Sunday. We've delayed it a week to give ourselves a chance after the busy Christmas period to consider covenant. And we're looking at that simple scene that the Territory's given us, celebrating life together. And we're doing it in relation to the Bible text for the day, which is John chapter 10. It's on your covenant card there that you were provided with last week. Well, let's look at that. You know, John did not write his gospel in chapters. John wrote his gospel as just one huge piece of work. The chapters came afterwards. And so these verses in John chapter 10 are not standalone verses. They are actually a continuation of chapter 9. And what happens in chapter 9? Now, in different parts of his gospel, John uses a similar format for presenting the message that will appear on the screen. He does this: these three things. He'll tell us that Jesus performs a sign. And so we trace this John 10 reading back to chapter 9. That's where the sign is. It's right at the beginning of John chapter 9. The healing of a blind man. And then from the sign, John will often use the dialogue He'll tell us what the onlookers then are doing to try and figure out what this sign means. And so here in chapter 9, the blind man's healed, he goes to the pool, he washes off the the saliva and he can see. And his neighbours, he goes back to his neighbourhood and his neighbours are saying, Is that the blind man? No, it's not, yes it is. So we're getting this discourse between the onlookers and then the the Pharisees join in. What's all this all about? What's all going on? And then after we've had this dialogue, John will often finish with a discourse. Jesus will come along and he will actually interpret what the meaning of the sign. And if you look in John's Gospel, you'll find this often. Sign, dialogue, discourse. And it repeats itself well here the sign is the healing of the man born blind Jesus is quite concerned with connecting to this man here at the very beginning of chapter 9 and so as they're walking along they see this blind man the disciples want to ask a question who sinned his parents or somebody Jesus isn't interested in that Jesus is more about connecting with the man and making him well and so he performs this amazing miracle He makes some saliva with the mud and he puts it on his eyes and he tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. The man returns to his community, completely able to see. And so the people immediately are trying to figure, well, what's, what's going on there? How's that happened? They're trying to work it out. The blind man said, it was Jesus. It was Jesus did it. And so immediately then, well, who is this man? Who is this Jesus? So you get this dialogue between them all. And there's this genuine consternation amongst the people who've trying to make head and tail of this about Jesus. Who is he? Can we trust him? Is he really from God? Or is he the latest weirdo in town? Who is he? And then the Pharisees join in and they decide to interrogate the man over what's happened. Not just once. No, no, no. They go back for more. They do it... Twice over. These people, these Pharisees, were supposed to be the shepherds of Israel. The people who were there to care, to protect, to nourish the people. What's their reaction? Do they celebrate a man born blind, able to see? No. There's no thanksgiving in there. No, 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 no. Immediately, they're going for the jugular. They're trying to find out what on earth is going on. And instead, at the end of it all, they banished this poor man from their community, refusing to believe that Jesus and his healing work come from God. You see, for them, guarding their power and authority was more important than the well-being of other people. And so hearing that Jesus has been thrown out of the synagogue, Jesus goes looking for this man again. And he offers not just a healing hand, but a hand of fellowship. And he takes him to that point of Faith. Elizabeth Johnson, in her commentary, makes this remark, and I love this remark. For the blind man, salvation is not only receiving his physical sight, but also his spiritual sight, recognising who Jesus is, believing in him, and becoming part of his community. He followed the voice of Jesus before he could see him, and it led to new life. His days of isolation are over. He now knows himself to be a valued member of Jesus' flock, cared for, and protected so jesus brings him into the fellowship and then at the end of chapter 9 he then starts to give his interpretation of what has just happened and that goes into chapter 10 and this whole shepherd and gay illustration that he uses what is jesus doing here at the end of chapter 9 what is he doing at the beginning of chapter 10 He's using the miracle of healing this blind man as a means of addressing with everybody around him who he is. He's describing the connection that he has between himself and his followers. He's actually showing them how they are to have life together. That's what he's doing. And so we move into chapter 10 that Claire read for us. And do you know what? There's an awful lot of metaphors here. There's an awful lot of images. Shepherd, sheep, gate, gatekeepers, thieves, robbers, wolves. There's metaphor after metaphor after metaphor. His explanation falls into two sections. The first five verses. Jesus identifies himself as the true shepherd. He's wanting to link with prominent passages from the Old Testament. Showing God being or sending the shepherd. And actually it's a direct attack on the Pharisees as well. They were the religious leaders. They should have been the faithful shepherds over God's flock. But they would failed drastically. And that's what he was saying to them. I am the true shepherd. Not these people. Not these people have just interrogated this poor blind man. Me, I am the true shepherd. Unfortunately, it's all a bit confusing. And did you notice that verse 6 that Claire read to us? Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. In fact, everybody listening were confused, they didn't understand. Don't get this. What's he on about? Shepherds, sheep. And so what he does is he changes the figure of sheep. And he offers another way to try and understand his relationship to the people. And instead of talking about a shepherd, he speaks about being the gate for the sheep. And so here in chapter 10, we have these two images of Jesus. Jesus as shepherd and Jesus as gate. And both of them describe his relationship with his followers. So when he speaks of the shepherd, this shepherd that he speaks about has the well-being of the sheep at heart. Not his own well-being. This shepherd brings sheep out of the fold. He goes before them. He doesn't abandon them. The sheep here, they follow. They flee from the false shepherds. They're able to know who they trust. That's the image he gives of the shepherd. Last weekend, we came to the morning meeting and we were all in a bit of a tizzy because somebody had tried to break into our house the night before. When I locked the door to come to the meeting last Sunday morning, I noticed that the handle was not right. There was sort of like plier marks all in it where somebody had tried to pull the lock out, tried to pull the handle off the door. I'm pretty sure they were after my car. I'm pretty sure they just wanted to try and force the door. Hopefully, there might have been some car keys on the left-hand side. Away they went, and that's what they wanted. Thankfully, they didn't get in, but it left me anxious. So, I've increased security around the front door. I've got one of these video doorbells now that detects motion around the front door. It goes off all the time, bless it. All the time. Motion around your front door. Motion detected around your front door. Do you know what, I don't mind, because actually it helped me no end. For the first few nights of the week, I didn't sleep well. I was awake listening for the disturbances. I was awake listening for my phone and saying, motion around the front door. I Don't know what I'd do at three o'clock in the morning if I did actually hear that, to be quite honest with you. But what I was wanting to do, I almost wanted to be a human gateway into our house, protecting it from intruders. I wanted to sit at the top of the stairs. I wanted to make sure I could see the front door. I wanted to make sure that those in the house had somebody between them and any intruder. And so I was nervous. And when Jesus uses this object, this, this, this illustration of himself being a gay, he wasn't referring to an object. He wasn't talking about a nice piece of raw iron work or a nice wooden thing. He was talking about himself. Because in his day, sheep enclosures were protected by a person. That have a big pen with just one doorway and the sheep would come into it at night. Often in cities, multiple shepherds would bring all their sheep and they'd go into one combined big pen. But then what would happen is somebody would sit in the hall for the entire night. Somebody would act as a human gate and say, you're not getting in here. Whatever you are, if you're a thief, if you're a wolf, you are not getting in here because... I am here. I am blocking it. Sometimes they'd lie down over the passageway so these people couldn't get in. It protected them from intruders. And so when Jesus uses this second image of the gate, he wasn't referring to an object. He was referring to a person. And that person was himself. The gatekeeper would keep the sheep together in the sheepfold during the night he would keep the th- the sheep safe, safe from thieves and predators when daytime came he'd move and the door was open the sheep could go out follow the shepherd and find pasture but what was significant was that the gate the gatekeeper the shepherd all had to work together for the well-being of the sheep. In order for the flock to thrive. Jesus is both shepherd and gate at the same time. And that's the image he wants to project to us this morning. For us, he is both shepherd and gate. He guards and protects his sheep from danger. But he also provides for their nourishment and for their life in abundance. The relationship is a, co- a cooperative effort. There is a relationship of trust amongst the parties. That's the only way it works. And so this is the context. This is the context for John 10.10. A verse that's quoted so many times without giving background. And it's important we understand the background to that verse. Jesus says, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am shepherd and gate, and that is how I will give you life to the full. But what does that mean for you and me? What does that mean in context of followers today? What does it mean for you and I to be protected by the gate and the shepherd? What does it mean to be saved, to have life in abundance? Well, I go back, first of all, to the the blind man. What did it mean for him? Actually, it meant something that was quite life-changing, Caroline Lewis observes this in her uh, observation of the passage. The man blind from birth is saved from isolation and marginalisation. His healing saves him from darkness. Never again will he wonder where his next meal will be or who will answer his pleas as he sits begging outside the city. He will know the safety and security of community. That's what Jesus does for him. Forget eternal life. That's very practical. By restoring his sight, he does something that's really practical. Now, that's not always the case, is it? The abundant life that Jesus offers isn't always a life of continual health, wealth and success. I don't know about you, but I've been a person of faith a long time. But I still acknowledge the struggles that I have been a disciple in the world. So what is it? What is this abundant life that Jesus offers me? Well, I go back to Elizabeth Johnson again and her commentary, and she gives a great description. She says this, Life or eternal life in John's Gospel is not just about life after death. It is the life that begins here and now. It is knowing the one true God and Jesus Christ whom God has sent. It is knowing the voice of the Good Shepherd who truly cares for us. It is life in community, finding security, and nourishment as part of his flock. It's the life that abounds in meaning and value and endures even beyond death. Friends, if John 10 is Jesus' means of addressing who he is of describing the connection between himself and his followers of showing them how they're to have life together well I think this is a great summary of that today Jesus offers us life in all its fullness it's not a life without trouble instead it's a life lived with him that's what it is a life lived with him. And so here Jesus portrays himself as the trustworthy one. It's in sharp contrast to those who prey upon the sheep for their own purposes. And as both shepherd and gate, his work and life are for the sheep and their well being. His role is to protect the sheep and provide for them and lead them into ample pasture. And when God calls out to us through Jesus, we dare to trust that he's going to do that for us. That we will have a life lived with him. Not necessarily a life without trouble. A life lived with him. And for me, that is the essence of covenant. That is the supreme essence of covenant. A life lived with him. This is the connection God wants. This is the life together with him. It's such a simple image. Shepherd, gate, sheep. Where there's cooperative effort, a relationship of trust. One of his books, Richard Foster, says this. God is involved with each one of us. Patiently at work to lead us in gradual and humble steps through all the twists and turns and successes and failures of our lives. And as we exercise our freedom by choosing to trust in Christ, we discover the depths of life with God. We become shaped in the image of the one with whom we spend time and to whom we give our hearts. That's covenant for me. That's life together. The blind man chose to trust Christ. He followed the voice of Jesus before he could even see him. And it led to a new life. And in the discourse that followed, Jesus would go on to show his onlookers what life together with him would look like. I wonder, have we experienced, are we experienced the abundant full life that Christ offers? Is that life that Christ offers overflowing into our community? How does life in all of its fullness affect the mission and ministry of our core? Today, Jesus offers us life in all its fullness, a life lived with him. And this is the covenant we reflect on today. This covenant card that I gave out last week, the simple prayer on the back, speaks of that, speaks of a life lived with him. It says, loving Father, your love for me is unconditional and unceasing. The depth of your love is beyond my comprehension. But today I respond to that love. And as your love lives in me, may my thoughts, my words, my actions reflect you at all times and in every place. May my soul be a place where we meet, where all that I am becomes all that you want me to be in heart, mind and spirit. That in being one with you, I might see you, know you, and show you in every part of my life that in me and through me your kingdom may come now. May this covenant of love draw me deeper and bring others closer to you. Jesus was trying to explain his covenant relationship. That's what that John 10 discourse was all about. How they would have life together. Shepherd, sheep. Gay, sheep how does Jesus have life with you we're going to give ourselves some time this morning on Covenant Sunday to reflect on these things and so very uh, at the end of our meeting we're just going to sing a very quiet song a song that talks about us being led of having that shepherd type influence of having a life that is a life lived with him. And as we sing this morning, I'd like you to read that simple prayer. And is it something you can make? This is covenant. This is the renewal of covenant. A simple intention that says, Lord, today I want to live my life with you. I want to know you as shepherd. I want to know you as gate. And I want to be that sheep-like image that comes before you and just knows your care and abundance in my life it may be for you that you can do that just where you're sat very simply it might mean that actually to come to the place of prayer is more appropriate for you it doesn't matter a life lived with God will you live that kind of life will you entrust believe that he will be all the things he promises to be in john 10 let's sing together it's a lovely song in our songbook 645 645 he leadeth me O blessed thought or words with heavenly comfort whatever i do where i be my life is with god still tis god's hand that leadeth me he leadeth me this is me renewing covenant today and as we sing this is just a term time of prayer for you to use how you feel led read that prayer make it for yourself make it be your covenant and may you know the abundance of life in all its fullness that god wants to give to you today give us an introduction john and we'll pick it up thank you <laughs> playing for us let's close our eyes I love that Richard Foster quote God is involved with each one of us patiently at work to lead us in gradual and humble steps through all the twists and turns and successes and failures of our lives And as we exercise our freedom by choosing to trust in Christ, we discover the depths of life, the abundant life with God. We become shaped in the image of the one with whom we spend time and to whom we give our hearts. This is covenant. This is what covenant is. Choosing to trust in Christ discovering the depths of life with God, even through twists and turns, and becoming shaped in the image of the one with whom we spend time and to whom we give our hearts. In a moment, I'm just going to pick up another song, Song 771. Just need to give Mark a bit of time to pick it up and throw it on the screen for us. John, I'll pick up the tune, which is 333. It's a lovely song that says, Lord, I pray that I may know thee. Risen one enthroned on high. Empty hands I'm stretching to thee. Show thyself to me, I am cry 333 333 John and this is our prayer on covenant day that God will indeed show himself to us reveal his beauty in us that we may have a life lived with him that's what covenant is a life lived with him May we all know him in these moments. Pick it up with me as we sing together. Jesus, today we're so grateful that you have revealed yourself as shepherd and as gate. As a shepherd who has our well-being at heart, not his own well-being. In fact, you are willing to die for us. As a shepherd, you bring us out, you go before us, you never abandon us. And we hear you, and this morning we want to follow we want to thank you that we can trust you. And so this morning, as we renew covenant, we just want to say to you, Lord, we want to be with you. We want to say this simple prayer in response to your message that you've come to give us life and have it to the full. Loving Father, your love for us is unconditional and unceasing. And the depth of your love is beyond our comprehension. But today, we respond to that love. And so as your love lives in us, may our thoughts, may our words and our actions reflect you at all times and in every place. May our soul be a place where we meet, where all that we are becomes all that you want us to be in, heart, mind and spirit. And that by being one with you, we might see you, know you and show you in every part of life. That in us and through us, your kingdom will come today, Lord, we renew our covenant of love with you. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.